Is there something that needs to shift so that you're able to show up for your job in such a way that it's sustainable? Meaning, does somebody else need to cook a meal for you? Do you need to order something in? Do you need to have a conversation about what responsibilities are going to look like if you live in a household where there's multiple people? So that not everything defaults to the woman who is the high achiever in the room. I know if you're listening to this podcast that you are the high achiever in the room. Just because you're capable of doing more doesn't mean that it's a good idea that you do more. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Hi, hello there. It is your gal, Carly. And if you are joining us for the first time, I am so glad that you're here with us on Messy and Magnificent for this episode. This weekend, I had the sweetest experience. I was walking through Philadelphia and I saw two groups of women who were clearly just talking to each other for the first time. So there was about five women standing up. They were dressed to the nines. They looked great. They were clearly going out and celebrating something outside, a birthday or a momentous occasion. And there was another group of about five women sitting at a table eating dinner outside right there on the corner of 13th and Spruce and Philly. And the women at the table were just in awe of how well these women who were going out were dressed. And it's what they said. They were cheering them on. The next thing you knew, I got to witness, (laughs) being the nosy bystander that I am, the five women dressed to the nines doing an impromptu runway show. They were showing off their clothes, throwing their jacket over their shoulder, doing a spin. There was cheers and smiling and laughing and introductions all being made. And I walked by as slowly as I could because during a moment of COVID to watch people make friends, even with masks, even in all of the special circumstances that we're in was such a beautiful thing. Now I went on with the rest of my walk and running some errands with a friend and didn't think twice about it. And as I'm walking back towards home that day, I saw that the women who had initially been standing dressed to the nines had joined the women at the table. And now they were all deep into conversation. I saw two women exchanging phone numbers in their phones. I got to witness women who didn't know each other before uniting, cheering one another on, making new friends, connections, perhaps even allies impromptu, on the fly, because they celebrated, acknowledged, and saw each other. Now, this month, we're talking about sustaining the good work that you're already doing, or the new projects or relationships that you've started. And there's just no way we can talk about sustaining success in your career, your health, or your personal lives without also talking about relationships. And so in this Next episode that we do after today, we're going to get specific about the unique relationships you have and forming allyship with the people close to you so that you've got the support you need. But today, we're going to lean back and go macro first because none of us live or work in a vacuum. We have all been impacted by C-19, some in small inconveniences, others in monumental personal and professional ways. 
And as Alisa Harisani Gupta said for the New York Times, the bulk of the jobs that have vanished at the start of the coronavirus pandemic were held by women, particularly women of color, who worked in service industries like hospitality, travel, retail, and entertainment. And what Alicia is pointing out here is really important for us to acknowledge as we go to craft these episodes about sustainability. I want to make sure that we're talking about sustainability in this particular moment, because we're all brushing up against particularly unusual things during COVID or things that were already not working before or were making it difficult for you to sustain the good work that you were doing. There's a good chance some of those are amplified now. What was tricky before can be downright insurmountable or at least feel that way. And we're going to address that so that what feels like it's too big to manage actually becomes very doable. So here's what we're going to go over on this episode. Four main things. Number one, why women-owned businesses and careers were growing two times as fast as male-owned businesses before COVID. Number two, how women heads of states planned ahead, resulting in better outcomes in their respective countries in response to the pandemic. This is particularly inspiring. And what these heads of state have done is relevant to you as you are the head of state in your own life. You are the head of state in your own career and in your own family. Then number three, we're going to talk about the impact of COVID-19 on the careers and the financial stability of women in general, specifically noting that this virus and its impact on us globally has impacted women who are Black, Brown, Indigenous, and or of color in particularly significant ways. That needs to be acknowledged. And then we're going to talk about three specific things that you and I can do to improve your career, your sustainability on the projects or the tasks that you're working on that you care about right now, and the careers of other women too, in very doable ways. I don't expect you to do all three. (laughs) What I'm going to ask you to do here is keep an ear out for one specific thing that lands with you from this episode that you can live into, that gives you life, that gives you zest, passion, and a sense of making everything else you're doing so much more sustainable. And that's what you can expect to walk away from today's episode with, a sense of knowing a little bit more about how you're going to sustain what's already good in your world during this particular moment and how we can help other women do the same. Because we didn't come this far. We didn't make the significant strides that we have for women already, only to go backwards in time. We'll talk more about that here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. There's something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com 
And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. (laughs) Just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. I have tons of great research on deck for you today. Tons. Links to every study and article I mention is going to be right here in the show notes wherever you're listening in, or you can always head on over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast and look for this episode number 79, and we'll have links to everything here. I have, um, this reminds me, I have a friend who's like my HBR Cliff Notes. He reads the Harvard Business Review religiously from cover to cover, takes highlights, and is always sending me screenshots, clips, or calling me with articles that I would appreciate. Today, I'm going to be a little bit like your cliff notes when it comes to being a woman navigating having a career or health or relationships that are thriving specifically right now during COVID. So lots of data, lots about what's working, but do I have all the answers about how we bounce back from COVID-19? Nope, (laughs) of course not. But if you've been listening to Messy Magnificent, then I bet that you can finish this sentence. When something feels so large, that we don't know how or where to begin, we know this much. The antidote to overwhelm is not trying to do it all, nor is it trying to do the most or work the hardest. The antidote to overwhelm is focus. And hey, if you've been listening for a while and you filled in the word focus there because you've heard me say it enough, I hope you're smiling right now. I am for sure. Every time I think about you knowing this with me, and if you're new to the show, Welcome. You'll begin to know the shared phrases, the languages, the research we discuss here soon enough. So whether you're new to the show or a sage alumni, I just want to pause and thank you for being part of these conversations that really serve to elevate all women, including you. We really do rise well together. And so with that, before we get into today's content, let me pause and give a shout out. This being a macro episode, I want to give a macro shout out. This week, I'm giving some great gratitude out to the UN Global Compact and their Women's Empower Principles. They are helping to invite more businesses to adopt these Women's Empowerment Principles. And there's a link to this in the show note, the six, I should say the seven principles of Women's Empowerment. They've gotten over 3,000 business leaders around the world to commit to these principles, to empower women in the workplace, in the marketplace, and in their communities I'll put a link to that here. If you run a business or you know somebody that does, please send them on over to learn about the UN Global Compact and their Women's Empower principles. And hey, speaking of you, I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. If you haven't left a review yet on iTunes, please head on over and do that so that I can I can share your comments, we can be in conversation, and I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. All right. So the first thing I said we were going to cover on this episode is why women-owned businesses and careers were growing two times as fast as male-owned businesses before COVID. Now, this is specific here to the United States, and I know that we've got listeners from, I think, at least 49 countries these days. 
So know that I'm going to open this up to a lot of data that's, that's global in reach. But specifically, as we look here in the U.S., our Census Bureau data has shown that over the last five years prior to COVID, researchers saw that the number of women-owned businesses has grown by 21%. <laughs> and during that time, employment at women-owned companies increased by 8%, and revenue rose also by 21%. So that means there's more businesses and those businesses are hiring more people and they're making at least 20% more on average. Now, in every single case, women-owned businesses performed better often by significant margins than the national average. Can we just pause and acknowledge that for a moment? That as women decide to run their own businesses, that they're doing well in doing so, and that we're actually seeing significant strides making. I'll put a link to this study as it was reported here by Business News Daily. Now, we want to see women-owned businesses doing well for many reasons. To see the women running them do well, to have agency and influence about what happens for their careers and their lives, and for the careers and lives of those they employ or that they care about. But also because when women do well, they help other people. And that is not anecdotal. That is not a matter of my opinion. Studies have shown time and time again that women use their power and resources to elevate others. Barbara Stanley in her book, Sacred Success, highlighted a study done between Harvard and the University of Simmons where it was shown that women use the means they have available to them to take care of their communities. Now, here's an example of that. Let's talk about how some of the women heads of state in different countries around the world planned ahead, and that resulted in better outcomes in their respective countries in response to the pandemic. This is a study that comes to us from Anna Abrams, Anna Claudia Poloto, Ifaba, and Monica Yuki Kuwahara. Now, what they did was collect data on 144 countries on six continents. And of those countries, 19 of them had women's as the head of state or the president, chancellor, prime minister. So these were countries like Belgium, Georgia, Iceland, Norway, New Zealand, Trinidad and Tobago, Serbia, Switzerland, just to name a few. And what they found in their research were three main things. Number one, there is a statistically significant correlation between lower C-19 deaths and illness and the presence of women as the head of state. In other words, countries that are run by women have had less illness and death as a result of COVID-19. Number two, there was no evidence that these countries led by women responded faster in implementing things like social distancing measures to flatten the infection curve than did countries that were run by men. So this wasn't about having faster access to information or making faster decisions. I think that's really important to notice here. And number three, countries led by women have a higher rate of universal health care coverage than countries led by men. So if countries led by men had comparable levels of investment in widely available health care, well, then the outcomes for fighting the pandemic would have been similar. So this is what I'm highlighting around. It wasn't about who made the quickest response. It wasn't about who had information access first. It was about who was looking out for their community for the long term in the first place, which is what these women were doing. And I share this data because A, it's fascinating and it helps us learn how we might better prepare for global health crises in general. But it also highlights why women doing well, again, is better for all of us. 
and having women in leadership positions is literally a life-saving decision. So if you are listening in and you identify as a woman, then this includes you. You doing well is important. It's important for you, but it's also important for those you care about and our globe at large. And if you're listening in and you identify as a person that wants to see our world do well, regardless of gender identity, I really do encourage you to focus on how supporting women is a powerful and research-proven way to improve the quality of life for everyone. And this is what makes the next topic we're going to cover here today so important. Because as women's careers and businesses and financial stability are hit particularly hard by C-19, we need to understand that not only does this harm each woman and those close to her that are impacted, but this harms all of us. Because each woman struggling to do well is one more woman that doesn't have the ability to use her resources to uplift others. It will harm her. It harms you, it harms me, it harms all of us. And I know that this is tough stuff to hear. We are all having bad news fatigue. I mean, count me in as one of the people who can just not feels like I can't handle one more piece of difficult news. But here's the thing. By looking at what isn't working square on, this is how we figure out how to improve things. So let's look at the facts here about how C-19 is impacting women And then we're going to outline the next steps to improving the situation together. There are things that we can do to make what's not working better. We've done hard things before, and we're going to do this here together too. So the impact of COVID-19 on the careers and the financial stability of women, noting also specifically here in a moment how this has really impacted women who identify as Black, Brown, Indigenous, or of color in particularly significant ways is important here. If you're as curious about how gender and CO-19 are intersecting, there's a great resource, genderandcovid19.org. I'll make sure that's in the show notes too. There's one specific research article there that said, and I'm quoting here from the Deloitte Global Research Initiative, that for many working women, the pandemic is upending their work-life balance and affecting their physical and mental health and some are even questioning their current and long-term career prospects. So they have cited that a lot of women are working longer hours because of the pandemic. And of course, they're juggling extra caregiving responsibilities as a result of pandemic-related consequences like school closures or having to care for relatives while also working full-time if they're fortunate to have a job. And in a moment, we'll talk about those who aren't. So here's what we're noticing about the women This is a study done in about nine countries of working women who continue to have a job during COVID. I want you to keep an ear out and notice if any of these are relatable because it might be important for you to understand that you're not the only one experiencing some of these challenges. Nearly 82% of the women surveyed say that they've been negatively disrupted by the pandemic. The vast majority of women surveyed have report that of course their lives have been negatively disrupted by the pandemic. 70% of women who have experienced these disruptions are concerned that their career growth may be limited as a result. One third, and tell me if this is you too, are reporting that their workloads have increased due to the pandemic. And 46% are feeling a need to always be available from a work perspective, i.e., On their off hours, they feel like they have to respond to emails immediately because now the lines between work and home have gotten blurry. 
48% say that their physical well-being has suffered as an impact of feeling they always need to be available for work. And then whether they have caregiving responsibilities or not, women across the board are feeling the strain. Over 27% of the women interviewed with heightened demands on their personal time and daily routines report having less time to prioritize their own health and well-being, which you can see during a national or global pandemic is particularly relevant. And more than half of those believe that their male colleagues have not been impacted to the same degree by the pandemic. So I think that's really important because that last one is not data-based. It's a perception issue. We are going to talk about some of the data that does make it clear that women are being impacted at a higher rate than men are, at least on an average basis across the board. But there's also the perceived sense of this is harder for me than it is for you has an impact on the psychological well-being of women who are trying to continue doing the jobs that they're fortunate to have right now. So I'm just curious. I'd love to hear from you. Is any of this relatable? Are you noticing any of these same challenges or are there other challenges that you would add on to this list? I really do hope you'll be in touch with me via my website or on Instagram or LinkedIn so we can continue this conversation here. So as we look at some of that macro data, specifically about women of all races in a number of countries, I want to get a little bit more specific here as we look at how C-19 has disproportionately affected women of color. Specifically here, we're going to talk about job losses amongst black women in the United States. This is data that comes to us from Michelle Holder and Janelle Jones and Thomas Masterson in a recent publication that they've done. We've known for a long time that black women experience occupational segregation on at least two levels, both based on their gender and on their race. And this was, of course, reiterated in this study. This is not new information. But it's worth acknowledging here because when black women employment is more narrowly concentrated in specific industries than other demographic groups, this also means that job losses due to COVID-19 that hit those industries will disproportionately affect black women because there's a higher concentration of them there. So, for example, the largest losses for black women have been in cashier jobs, in hotels and restaurants, including fast food industries as well as in child care worker positions in the healthcare or the social services industries. They tend to be lower wage positions, and yet they're considered essential. And so they need to happen, even during a pandemic, on some level. And if they're paused, then we must make sure that a pandemic recovery policy agenda has to include full employment for Black women. So let's look at what this actually means in terms of numbers here. Tim Smart from U.S. News just reported just a couple of weeks ago that black women have had an unemployment ratio drop of six percentage points, while white women have seen their rate over the same time of COVID fall by 2.9 percentage points. In other words, black women have lost their jobs at double the rate of white women. Now, Erica Groshen, a senior economics advisor at the Cornell University of Industrial and Labor Relations, she said that this six percentage drop is the largest among all groups. Janelle Jones at the Labor Department's chief economist, she wrote in a recent blog post, it took until 2018 for black women's employment to recover from the Great Recession. And now almost all of those hard-won gains have been erased, meaning that it took almost or about 10 years for the Great Recession being back when we had the housing bubble burst. 2007 to through 2009, 
It's taken over 10 years for black women's employment to recover from that. And it's already been erased in one short year as a result of this virus. So what we're aware of here is that the underlying racial disparities that exist in employment, they can't be ignored. Systematic issues that existed well before COVID that have just made populations that are usually given the short end of the stick even more vulnerable when the market became volatile. And this is huge. Now, one way to look at this is, yeah, this was inevitable, right? It was inevitable that Black women would have a massive setback as a result of this virus, or it's inevitable that women in general will have big setbacks as a result of this virus. And I refuse to accept inevitability as a way of us being passive about what's happening here. That perhaps, yes, it was more likely to happen, but it doesn't mean that we're going to accept that this is what's happening. And I know that we're tired and I know that this is all big stuff, but this is where the magic and the resourcefulness of women can be extraordinary here. So let's talk a little bit about what we can do to improve your career and the careers of other women too right now. Because if you feel like fixing this sounds like it's just too big by yourself, you're right. (laughs) It's too big to do all by yourself. Doing this or any big cultural shift takes community. Bonnie Hammer, she's the vice chairman of NBC Universal. She wrote recently for Time Magazine, when Rosie the Riveter flexed her bicep 80 years ago and said, we can do it, she never meant alone. She was answering the call for her generation to join the workforce in droves. But it'll only work because the country had acknowledged at the height of World War II that it wouldn't survive without the participation of working women. And the economy a change to help them and everyone succeed. You see, when it comes to creating employment and other opportunities for women, we have done this before. Our mothers... Our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers have seen world crises and have continued to figure out a way, meaning you are the daughter, granddaughter, great-granddaughter of many brave, resourceful women. You carry within you the tools and the resources to navigate global crises, because while COVID-19 is new for all of us, this is not the first time that our people have had to raise up against what felt like an insurmountable issue and were able to do just that. So let's talk specifically about what we can do. There are three main ways to look at what we're able to do to improve the ability for women to sustain the advances they've made professionally and continue to do so, whether that's for you individually in the career you're in right now or the job or career you'd like to have next or for us as a community of women together. Reshma Shujani, the founder of the CEO of Girls Who Code, said recently that passing legislation that helps working mothers support themselves and their families, like paid parental leave and universal child care, is key. And hopefully there'll continue to be some federal action. I know here in the United States, we're beginning to have some good conversations about that. We'll see what comes through. We also need global action around supporting families as well. But there's a great deal that the private sector can also do. So if you run a company or you work for a company or you know somebody that does, here are some great things that we can look at that come to us from Bonnie Hammer, the vice chairman of NBC Universal. Number one, building out flexible work arrangements beyond the pandemic. This means loosening our grip a little bit on having our in-person requirements with that typical nine to five workday. 
and a typical five-day work week. Maybe it would be more effective for your office to have a four-day work week or to have more flexible hours moving forward. And when flexibility isn't an option, it just means that it's time to invest in the infrastructure required so that working women can thrive when they return to the workplace, like, for example, dedicated lactation rooms or affordable on-site childcare. And I mean this for everybody, not just for white-collar industries. But I also want to talk about something that impacts all women, regardless of whether or not they choose to have a family, which is valuing the unpaid labor women are doing around the clock. <laughs> we have normalized that childcare or housework in two people household should be responsibilities that are dedicated to the women. And so when remote work is an option for women, we have to ensure that it's not always women staying at home and men going to the office because getting FaceTime is critical to getting noticed and promoted. And the parent who stays home, even if she's working, ends up also doing a lot of the work at home, the cleaning, the cooking, the scheduling, the bills, and also missing out on their commute. This might be the one moment that they normally got in the day to collect their thoughts and to catch their breath. So these are things that we can look at in a systemic way, but we can also look at it in an individual way. If you do have employment right now, is there something that needs to shift so that you're able to show up for your job in such a way that it's sustainable? Meaning, does somebody else need to cook a meal for you? Do you need to order something in? Do you need to have a conversation about what responsibilities are going to look like if you live in a household where there's multiple people? So that not everything defaults to the woman who is the high achiever in the room. <laughs> I know if you're listening to this podcast that you are the high achiever in the room. Just because you're capable of doing more doesn't mean that it's a good idea that you do more. Number two, let's talk a little bit about folks who might be suffering from coronavirus job losses. There are a couple organizations that are great for you to know about, whether it's for you or those you care about. The first is the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Women make up 88% of adult care workers in home-based settings and 85% of adult care workers in institutional settings. So to support these workers who have been laid off during COVID or who are staying at home from work for safety reasons, the National Domestic Workers Alliance has created this coronavirus care fund that will provide home care workers and nannies and housekeepers with $400 of emergency assistance. So we'll make sure that we put a link in here for where you can go to get more details and apply in case this speaks for you. This is a great quick fix resource for those who have a need for it right now. They also lead some great training sessions. So in addition to the quick scoops of cash, which are helpful in an instant, we also need to address things on a larger scale. And so they have some great live events. They have weekly coronavirus video calls for domestic workers. They also have a We Dream in Black webinar series where they seek to build a world wherein Black domestic workers are safe and respected and empowered to be their full selves. These are great free resources that anybody can attend. I highly recommend if you know anybody who works in a domestic space or in a caregiving space that you share this information with them. And then we've also got Elevest. Now, Elevest is a really interesting company run by women. It's an investing platform for women. And since COVID started, they have been offering live office hours and free online workshops with career coaches and financial planners who are giving great advice on how to financially cope and plan and prepare for the ongoing effects of today's pandemic. Every week, they have new topics 
that are free with new presenters who are answering finance and career questions and hosting virtual workshops. So Elevest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T dot com, or you can find them on social media, are great places to get ongoing financial and career support for free right now for women. So we've talked about some systemic things we can do. We've talked about some specific things we can do right now for those of us who need immediate support. Let's also talk about you specifically. I want you to remember in this moment how powerful you are. You know, about eight years ago, I was in a Target. I had just moved from one house to another. This was back in my celebrity touring days. So it was always really difficult for me to do anything like a move because I was on call 24-7 for my clients. So I had started to move my things over. I knew I was going to have less than a day before I was expected to be on tour with another client. I'm exhausted. I'm dirty. I'm up to my neck in boxes. And I needed sheets for my bed. I ran to Target to buy them and waited in an incredibly long line in downtown Miami. When I finally got to the front of the register, the woman working behind the register let me know that it was the end of her shift and I would need to get back in line in another line, which meant another 30 minutes of working. And I'm doing all this while navigating the emotional landscape of having just lost my grandmother. I am at my wit's end. I could not stand another moment in line. I was too hungry. I was too tired. I had too much on my plate. And so I put my items down and prepared to walk out of the store knowing I'm just going to sleep without sheets tonight. And a woman behind me called to me and she said, ma'am, ma'am, hold on. You can go ahead and be in front of me in line. And she was in the parallel line to mine and had seen everything that happened and decided to let me go ahead of her in the front of the line. And in that moment, I couldn't respond to her verbally. I mean, tears welled up in my eyes. I was in such a space of vulnerability. And here was this human recognizing just this small struggle. This wasn't a massive struggle. This wasn't a career ending struggle, but it was deep and tender and personal for me in that moment. And she let me go ahead of her in that line. And in that moment where I needed community, I was seen. And so while I was standing there in line, I saw her hemming and hawing with her kids about which items they were going to need to put back because they couldn't afford everything in their cart. They were shopping for going back to school and she couldn't afford to get both all the notebooks and the backpacks and the clothes and the sneakers and everything that the kids needed. So they were debating what was going to stay in the store and what was going to go with them. And I was aware, you know, in that moment that her financial account was low and mine was okay. But my sense of community and being seen and cared for and belonging was in a state of bankruptcy. She was rich in kindness and in awareness. And I was poor in that moment in those areas. And so when she wasn't looking, I added a gift card, a Target gift card onto my purchase and left it with the woman at the register to apply it to her checkout. I couldn't be there to interact or to be in conversation, but I could do that much. And in that way, we helped each other that day. We shared the extra resources we had with one another. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't complicated. It didn't require a lot of planning or premeditation. We both just exchanged the little bit of extra we had that day on the fly. And I know that there have been moments for you where somebody smiled at you and it made your day, or they whispered a kind word to you, or they asked you how you were doing, and it just made a world of difference. And this is where we come back full circle to the ways that women look out for one another and our communities. 
And so don't forget that here in your back pocket, when we talk about how we can possibly make a difference for the women who are trying to sustain the careers they have or keep the jobs they have or find a new one if it's been lost, that we can help one another by just watching out, by giving somebody a space in line, by asking a woman you know how they're doing and really listening to their answer or asking what they need. Maybe sharing with them a resource you heard in this podcast or just sipping water or a glass of tea with them in person or over the phone and remembering the power of being seen and seeing somebody else, of being heard and of being listened to, of offering and receiving support. Things are complicated right now when it comes to sustaining careers for women and there are things that aren't complicated, like looking someone in the eye or donating to an organization that supports women, like the National Domestic Workers Alliance. So as we talk about all of this today, I hope you remember, A, how powerful you are, how your ability to be present for those you care about makes a big difference, and what might be possible if you took some of that care and applied it to yourself too right now. And I know that as a high achiever, as a woman who's had to figure out a lot of things on her own, that either asking for or receiving help can make us downright nauseous just thinking about it. So know that next week, we're going to do an entire episode on how to make sure that you have the professional allies you need so that you don't have to figure it all out alone. But for now, I want to know, what is one part of today's episode that's standing out to you? What's one message or thought, piece of data, or an idea you're having that's bubbling up organically within you that you don't want to forget? I really do encourage you to be in this conversation with me, leave a review on iTunes so that I can give you a shout out and we can keep talking about this. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including the ability for you and all women to work in our world in ways that support ourselves and one another. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.